Hallelujah. We say at the center of it all, it is you that we see, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the almighty God who sits on the throne, who looks down on earth and says that he is the answer to all the chaos, to all the uncertainty, to all the civil unrest, to all the, the diseases and pestilence. He says he is the answer to it all. Yahweh, you are our God. And we thank you for your presence among your people. We thank you for your presence among the nations where you are speaking through your children, speaking to all the challenges that we are facing on a global scale and conveying through your children to the nations that you are the answer, that you are the solution, that you are the deliverance and the deliverer. And we are so thankful. We are so thankful to call you our father. We're so thankful to be in your son. We are so thankful to honor your son, Jesus Christ. And we're so thankful that you have made us a part of your movement to glorify you in the nations. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Let's take a look at... Uh, the book of Acts, and we're going to go from chapter 1, looking at verses 6 through 11. We definitely say welcome back to another amazing uh, Sunday morning where we come together as a family to just glorify the God that we serve. And I know that these are uncertain times. Uh, we are definitely going through some challenges, but God is able. God is more than able he is the one that makes the impossible possible. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. It says, so when they had come together, they were asking him, and I'm reading out the NASB. They were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? Verse 7, he said, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest, part, the remotest parts of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Verse 10, and as they were gazing intently into the sky, while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also, said, they also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who you have, who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. We're experiencing a major shift both locally and globally. 2020 will 
forever be known or connected to the coronavirus outbreak or pandemic. Last week, Pastor Sheena rightly pointed out that humanity throughout the centuries have experienced one pandemic or another. This, however, is the first time, especially in our lifetime, that the global commerce has been affected, even to the point of having political consequences. And in the midst of the world, trying to establish some sense of, of normalcy in the midst of all this chaos, there is, there is now a local cry and even a global cry in which the movement for justice has taken center stage. The murders of Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd, two of, the, uh, two of which we have video recordings, have played on social media. What is also unprecedented in this renewed and vigorous cry for justice is that we have, uh, is that we have and are still witnessing people from various racial, political, economic, religious backgrounds beginning to say that business can no longer continue as usual. Over 150 years of complaints after complaints against police departments all over America and how they have treated black and brown communities is finally being heard in such a way that even citizens in other countries are making their voices heard. Even in places like Russia and China are speaking out. Countries that have been known for human rights violations are looking at the situation in America and speaking out. <laughs> this is what we can call an international indictment on America's hypocrisy concerning human rights on a global stage. Major corporations, the NFL, uh, that had criticized Colin Kaepernick years ago on this very issue are now forced to take a stand against racism, both in words and indeed, NASCAR removing the Confederate flag from their broadcast. This is unprecedented times. Before, if you said Black Lives Matter, you were accused of reverse racism by those who were ignorant of the history behind the phrase. Now, if you say Black Lives Matter, you're being embraced with hugs. Various corporations are now adopting the phrase that Black Lives Matter. We're still waiting on Chick-fil-A, but it will come. Now the question that has been on our minds, uh, that is on our minds, now that, the world's, now that we have the world's attention is, where do we go from here? Dr. Martin Luther King wrote a book when he, when he launched the Poor People's Campaign entitled, Where Do We Go From Here? chaos or community. Dr. King understood that the fight against racial inequality could not be entirely successful without addressing economic issues. Dr. King was not killed because he had a dream that white kids and black kids would one day hold hands and sing Kumbaya. He was killed because he was now talking about equal access to the money that would help build communities. So in retrospect, we have the attention but beyond more than just talking about the problem, where do we go from here? 
Messiah Yeshua, Jesus Christ, had been meeting and teaching his followers for many days after his resurrection, instructing, guiding, and preparing them for his physical departure. And the question came up about restoring the kingdom of Israel, or to use a popular catchphrase by one businessman, how do we make Israel great again? But Yeshua's response to that question was not emphasizing the time and season of when Israel will be restored in the fulfillment of the prophets, but rather the means of how Israel's restoration would be accomplished. The restoration of Israel will be accomplished when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the farthest parts of the earth. In other words, Israel's restoration or Israel being made great again is not just a local phenomenon, but a global event. In other words, Israel is restored when all the nations are restored. And this, restora and this restoration will, not be in, will be empowered by the Holy Spirit moving in and through his witnesses. Sunday before last, we looked at uh, Isaiah chapter 42. Um, that Sunday before last, if you looked and remembered on your global on your uh, on your um, biblical calendar, is what we were what we recall the uh, the day of Pentecost. It was a commemoration of what took place in the book of Acts. Uh, chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the followers of Messiah Yeshua, signifying the birth of the Messianic movement. And we read from Isaiah 42, verse 1, in which Yahweh was conveying to Isaiah that he would send my servant, my chosen one, in whom my soul delights, and I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. What am I saying, people of God? I'm saying that there is a connection between the Holy Spirit and the bringing forth of justice. Therefore, the Messianic movement, a.k.a. the church, a.k.a. the embassy of the Lord Jesus Christ, is a justice movement. Why? Because we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, who is not just the Spirit of God, not just the Spirit of grace, not just the Spirit of Jesus Christ, but also the Spirit of justice. Do not let conservatives and, and liberals take away or steal our thunder the, or rob us of our responsibility in Jesus Christ by convincing us that, that social justice is a worldly venture or a satanic prescription. It is not. I will not let the rocks cry out in my place, the same rocks that are thrown at windows and destroying properties because I refuse to speak the word of God against equality, inequality. See, we complain about the destruction of uh, property. We complain about the looting. We complain about the rioting. But where were we when we were supposed to be the moral voice in the streets? We are the ones in whom the spirit of Yahweh, Yahweh dwells. We are, the, we are at home complaining about the looting and rioting, but it's only because we have let rocks cry out in our place. If the Holy Spirit is connected to the execution of God's justice, then what is the Holy Spirit saying when black men and women are harmed by the police? And even now, where, where, are responsible, even now where responsible police are even suffering for the acts of wicked ones in their ranks. Where do we go from here? 
as black citizens of this holy nation, then when I say this holy nation, I'm talking about the kingdom of God. I'm talking about the church that gives a foretaste of God's kingdom. As black citizens in this holy nation, we are uniquely positioned to emphasize God's justice to America because we have the unique history of colonization and chattel slavery. I will not abandon my responsibility to Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. I will not abandon my responsibility to the new, to the new Black Panther Party. I will not abandon my responsibility to the Democrat or the Republican Party. I will not abandon my responsibility to any Christless, uh, any Christless-led organization because God has placed His Spirit upon the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit uses us to speak to these unique problems. In Acts, chapter six, in Acts chapter 6, a problem occurred within the body of Christ in which the Greek Jews were complaining that the Hebrew-speaking Jews were neglecting the Greek Jewish widows when it came to feeding the hungry. The apostles told them that they could not abandon their responsibility of preaching the word, but that the solution was that the Greek Jews should pick from among them, uh, among them men who are filled with the Holy Spirit to now carry on this responsibility of serving their folks. The qualification for those who are to serve is that they had to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom to serve. Where do we go from here? This movement for justice requires us to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. They asked Yeshua, Jesus, about the restoration of Israel to its glory and independence from the power and the grip of the Roman Empire, which sought full compliance and allegiance to, Rome, to the Roman state. The followers of Jesus, like many of Israel's marginalized and disenfranchised, wanted freedom from Roman imperialism and tyranny. And I believe that Yeshua's response to them is fitting for us in these times. The Holy Spirit empowers us as the body of Christ to be his witnesses to this nation in three ways. One, repentance from, the work, from dead works. Two, emphasizing oneness in Christ. Three, proclaiming the messianic reign. Where do we go from here? Let's start with repentance from dead works. And I'm going to step on some toes today, but if you hear what I'm saying, if you don't agree with what I'm about to say, just go do your research. We're under this uh, perception that the United States is a Christian nation. But I want, to, I want to convey to you today that the United States is not a Christian nation. It was not set up to be a Christian nation, and therefore we should not hold the United States to a Christian standard. It is a constitutional republic and a representative democracy. The Constitution nor the Declaration of Independence endorses the name of Christ. The Christianity cultivated in America migrated from Europe and is synonymous with American nationalism, which has always been about maintaining white superiority and serving the, Ameri uh, serving the dreams and the aspirations of white people. This is why certain people who, have, who call themselves Christians have no problem with slavery, no problem with Jim Crow, no problem with unjust imprisonment of black and brown bodies. They had issues with, pray, with prayer being taken out of schools, but had no issues with those same schools in which prayer had existed being segregated school systems. 
They had no problem with redlining that enforced segregated housing. No problem with denying black, black World War II veterans access to the Montgomery GI Bill. No problem with denying African Americans access to tools for wealth building and business development, all which benefited those who were in power. No problem ad adhering to the inherent, inherently racist doctrines like the Manifest Destiny, which was this term coined in 1845 that emphasized the divine right, or should I say the godly right, of the United States to expand its dominion to spread democracy and capitalism across all of North America, justifying the removal of Native Americans from their lands. Let's not forget the Trail of Tears where 60,000 Native Americans were relocated and approximately somewhere around 18,500 died. Let's not forget about the Japanese Americans who were sent to basically concentration camps because they were viewed as enemies of the state uh, and, un and considered un-American. This is not the teachings of the Bible. This is the teachings of white supremacy. I submit that America is not drifting further away from God, from the God of the Bible, but as a nation never really knew the God of the Bible, not overlooking those within America who are willing to stand for justice. In other words, there was a movement of the church in many, in many aspects, uh, aspects of the American uh, society, but the American system itself was, was created or established to, um, in a sense, um, uphold white superiority. The American pride has mostly been grounded in the crippling of other nations. Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 16 to 17. Jeremiah chapter 22, verses 16 to 17. Scripture says that he pled the cause of the afflicted and the needy, then it was well. Is not that what it means to is not is not that what it means to know me, declares Yahweh? But your eyes and your heart are intent only upon your own dishonest gain and on shedding innocent blood and on practicing oppression and extortion. You cannot serve the God of the Bible and the God of America. They're two different gods. There are churches today that have placed the American flag, which is symbolic of American nationalism and pride in their pulpits. We as a community of believers have to be different. We have to be prophetic voices to, those nation, to, the, to this nation that we love. We have to call this nation to repentance. This nation needs a radical encounter with the true and living God. We must pull down these strongholds of white supremacy, including this notion of race wars that is rooted in fear, where do we go from here? I believe that God is not in the business of redeeming the American system, but saving the American people by calling them to repentance. Secondly, Messiah Yeshua has called us to be his witnesses to America by emphasizing oneness. Jesus prayed this to the Father in, in John chapter 17, verse 11. He says, I am no longer in this world, yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. One of the biggest tragedies in the American church today is the refusal to see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. 
The black church became a separate institution, not because of orthodoxy, which is an issue with the teachings of the, of the biblical church, but because of orthopraxy, which is how those teachings were, were applied in regards to race relations. The AME church, for instance, was birthed because the whites and Methodist churches refused, the whites and the Methodist church refused to worship side by side with fellow black Methodists. The disagreement was not over doctrine, but over race. The Southern Baptist Church Convention separated from the Baptist Convention over the ownership of slaves, not over a difference in doctrine. Several times in the Apostle Paul's ministry, he was making the argument for Jews and Gentiles to see each other as one body in Messiah Yeshua, one body in Jesus Christ. The early church was plagued with divisions. Hebrew-speaking Jews could not relate to Greek-speaking Jews. Both Hebrew and Greek-speaking Jews could not relate to non-Jews. Men viewed themselves as greater than women. Women who had children viewed themselves as greater than the women who didn't have children. Slaves and those who were free didn't see themselves as one. The issue can go on and on. Where do we go from here? Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 to 29, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized in Christ, having clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. Paul was not saying that men were no longer men and Jews were no longer Jews. He was emphasizing the fact that their distinction do not, does not override their identity in Christ. Therefore, our relationship with, one and, with each other must supersede our differences. The disunion that we face in our society is clearly seen in how we relate to one another in the church. If there is no true oneness in the body of Christ, then what example are we setting for our society? Messiah Yeshua said this in, in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. He said that you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill which cannot be hidden. What light are we showing to the world? What city are we displaying to the world if we are divided because of race? Where are some Christians who did, where, are, where some Christians do not consider other Christians as brothers and sisters? This is dishonoring to the body of Christ at the communion table. When the manifestation of oneness is seen in the church, then we will become the hope of justice that the whole world will see. It starts with us. Where do we go from here? So if we call, so we call the nation to repentance, we emphasize the oneness in Christ, and we're also his witnesses to this nation through proclaiming God's reign. The Holy Spirit is connected to the, proclaiming, to the proclaiming of God's reign. Yeshua announced the coming of the reign of God, and his message was appealing to those in Israel, the poor, the oppressed, the marginalized, and those who were considered the outcasts, who were tired of the religious leadership who neglected their spirits, the political leadership who wielded influence at the expense of the people, and the Roman imperialism who consumed Israel's resources by force. So when Yeshua announced the kingdom of God with healing, and miracles, their hope was revived. We, we present that hope in this nation. 
as we experience the unrest and the dissatisfaction with our, with our politicians, the president and the government, as we look for answers in addressing the injustice in the American system, the, system, the systemic racism, the disparities in our education, in our health, in our workplaces, as we go through the emotional cycle of dealing with COVID-19 and when is it going to end, we realize that the United States of America is in desperate need for God's reign. Where do we go? from here. Psalms 89 verses 11 through 14 says, the heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all it contains, you have founded them. The north and the south, you have created them. Tabor and Hermon shout for joy at your name. You have a strong arm. Your hand is mighty. Your hand is exalted. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. The messianic kingdom, the very reign of God, will manifest the character and the likeness of God that we serve. Folks, what I'm trying to convey to us is that before we can place a demand on the world to get it together, before we can place a demand on American society and the systems to get it together, the church has to get it together. That, that's the only way that this will work. Why? Because those same police officers that we, uh, that we assert are brutalizing our communities, many of them sit in church. Those many people who are in positions of authority in government, many of them are in church on Sunday morning. Our president made no, made, had no qualms walking in front of a church holding a Bible in his hand because he knew that it, it spoke to some of the very people who we are looking for to be leaders in this issue of racial justice and equality. So, the, so they know that the, 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 the answers to the solution to this problem has to start with the church. We cannot make demands on the system to correct itself if the church hasn't corrected itself. If we have inequality in the church, how can we demand for an, for an equal America? If we, have, if we have divisions in the church, how can we, de how can we demand a united America? We are the answer to solving this issue. The problem or the, the, the solution to this issue starts with us. And I'm not talking specifically of just the black church, but the white church and multicultural churches and all the churches that exist in this land. If we can truly come together, if we can truly unite as one voice, we won't have to wait for the government to solve the problem. The government would have to walk in lockstep with what we're already doing. Emphasis, what we are already doing. Amen? Amen? Let us pray. Father God, we just want to thank you because you, have, you are starting to open our eyes just to see who is it that you are in our midst. From the very beginning of Scripture to the very end of Scripture, there is an emphasis on various nations coming together under one umbrella Christ Jesus. We see it even in, in the book of Revelation how the nations worship Jesus Christ as one. 
maybe speaking in different voices, but nevertheless in unison. How wonderful it would be just to, to, just to be a part of that group, to hear the sounds of different languages, different dances, different songs coming together to glorify you. Where we're not waiting on the systems of this world to get it together. They're incapable of getting it together. But we know that if we can just represent you according to the way that your word has already dictated to us, that the system will have to capitulate to what we as the children of God are already demonstrating. Yeah. Father God, we just, we're just praying right now because there is chaos in this country. We're praying right now because there are, are, are police officers, very good police officers who are suffering because of the, uh, of, of the, um, of, uh, of the, of the works of those in their ranks that decided to walk outside the bounds of the law. And we're praying for them to be comforted because we know that we're, that they're, that we're not in this struggle together, that this is an issue across the board. We're praying, Father God, for the families uh, of, those, uh, of those victims who have, who have uh, died as a result of, of police brutality and police aggression. And we're praying, Father God, that, that they will find comfort in you, not in anything else, in you. That before they pick up the phone to, to call counselors and, 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 and doctors and, and, and different uh, resources, that they will, they, will, they will get on their knees and call on to you for their comfort. Father God, we're just praying for the leaders in this nation, this country that we truly love, this country that we are a part of, that has vast resources and have benefited many of us in many ways that we couldn't even imagine. We're calling, Father God, for you to take your place in this country, for you to reign in this country. That they won't look to they, they won't look to the Constitution for answers, that they won't look to the Declaration of Independence for answers, that they will look to you, to your throne for answers, that this nation will truly get on its knees and repent. And Father God, we just pray for your reign right now, even in the midst of this COVID-19 situation, Father God, and even the various diseases that almost don't get talked about anymore, that people are still suffering from. Father God, we just pray that your presence will be felt in the hospitals, in the nursing homes, in the beds, in, in, in the various places of those who have been afflicted. We just pray for your healing to play, take place in this, in this nation and also in the nations around this world. And Father God, we just pray that America, that as we get it right in America, that we will be a light to the nations. That nations that, that nations that are also coming to grips with their challenges of inequality and injustice and things of that nature, that when the church in America gets it together, Father God, that we would be an example to those nations that it can be done. We can be brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And also, Father God, we just pray for those who do not know your son Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We pray that you will be tugging at their hearts that they, will, uh, that they will feel a conviction in their hearts, Father God, whether they're out in the streets protesting or at home watching television, Father God, we say in the name of Jesus, touch their hearts. Let them know who you are. Speak to them in the way that only they can understand. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.